Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I have a question. For you two, if your wife did not have sex with you for a year and a half, what would happen? Like, what would happen? I would f- other women. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just, I'm just saying. What kind of a person are you? I don't appreciate his candor right now. He's such a little sh. What? Good to know. What if I'm like going through something? You'll be f-ing other women. A year, a year and a half. I'm just saying. <laughs> what would you do? That's a long time. You want my yes, honestly. The relationship would probably be over. That's the better answer. No, 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 That's no. That's the right I, answer. His, his answer was a great answer. No, his answer was a great answer. My answer was a consequence of My husband said the right answer. That is what a husband. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. It's our Housewives Friday. We're talking New York and then Salt Lake City. Um, wow. The Beverly Hills trailer came like a wrecking... Well, oh, really that impactful, I don't know. But it came out of nowhere, considering that the season is going to be starting in a couple weeks. It premieres October 25th seems to if you did not check out the trailer you can head on over to everyone's business but mine on instagram i posted it but if you don't want to watch it wouldn't blame you listen we've been burned how many times now by a beverly hills trailer and they often don't deliver in the season what they give in the trailer my thing is this is very 
Kyle and Mauricio are separated heavy and I'm concerned because did that not come out like after they filmed the season so I mean it seems like there was a lot of like rumors and ramping up and there was a scene with Kyle and Mauricio talking to the girls is about it but who knows when they filmed that they could have filmed that as a pickup scene after the fact I'm concerned I'm not concerned because you know what I've been like I said been burned too many times before so I know how to guard my heart and not really get too excited if we are to believe the trailer I'm gonna tentatively give the season a B? A B for Beverly Hills. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even think of anything else that was said. Sutton threw a little bit of shade. There is a new housewife, Anne-Marie, who unfortunately uh, has some, you know, much like Corey from Summer House, Winter House, get the fuck out of my house, has some, um, a lot of similar feelings to Candace Owens and people who are transphobic or turf adjacent or just straight up turfs and you know just very we don't want trans people in in the wrong sports that you know i i can't you know i i can't do this so already an f for me Anne marie i don't know how you're gonna dig yourself out of this one but um yeah i mean it seems like erica's back to like being the ice queen that she purports herself to be and you know life goes on no Rena. let's celebrate that let's talk about new york shall we <laughs> um we start off with jessalyn pavit the dream team frankly they're having brunch and she's telling him all about how like the day before she had gone to music class with kai and rio if that's those are names but they were like on the other side of the room just running amok these kids seem very un Un unruly I, you know let me not talk ill of a child let me move on okay i'm trying to move onward and upward Pavit says that basically like it was super intense he had the kids with no nanny and jessel says i carried those kids so i think that entitles me to like at least nine months of vacation times two so get over it then she tells Pavit like after this vacation in anguilla with the girls she knows not to, who not to fuck with you can probably go over to her notes app if you're curious as to why and who. Um, but how Aaron kept harping on and on about she feels like Jessel's more privileged than Jessel cares to admit. And even Papa's like, what's wrong with her <laughs> at this point? So Jessel's like, listen, I'm not trying to paint the picture of, oh my God, I was so poor. But I love Sai, I respect her, and I'm not trying to compare my story to her. So she says in a confessional... That she wants to meet up with Sai because she really wants her to understand where she's coming from. Like, let's be adults and squash this beef. So then she asks Pavit what they're doing on their date night because we're officially going to have it, right? He says, I'm going to surprise you with dinner. We're doing a staycation. She asks the fairly dumb question of, is it going to be here? Which is the whole point of a staycation. But anyway, the nanny's set up already. Everything's good to go. He does make a little joke about, like, maybe I have a secret nanny. And she's like, what are you doing with the nanny? He's like, wouldn't you like to know? listen at this point i'm team tank i feel like they're having fun maybe their sex life is not where they would like it to be but i think they can get back they have a foundation i'm seeing a foundation 
And I'm feeling very happy to stand on it. It doesn't seem like it's really going to crumble. Could it? Sure. I mean, you know, whatever. We'll talk about relationships that I think might be crumbling later. Okay. Jenna then meets up with uh, Bryn at Henrietta Hudson, iconic lesbian bar here in Manhattan. And Jenna says it's at the place she, this is a place that she went to when she first came out. So it like holds a special place in her heart. I don't know if you guys know this. But there are, like, hella gay bars in the city. In terms of, like, straight-up lesbian bars, there were, like, one and a half. It's very an odd thing for New York. But, so she picks Bryn, and she asks her, is this your first time at a gay bar? Bryn's like, fuck no. And then she says, but that's why I wore my pajamas. Because I'm ready to go home with anybody. And then she brings out some, um, some gloves that she brought, which seem to be mesh, perhaps. And says that she's ready to finger bang. And Jenna says, no, you're not. She goes, no, no, no. It'll cover my nails and I'll go slow. And Jenna goes, well, maybe. <laughs> Bryn says in a confessional, she doesn't care about a gay bar. She goes to them all the time. If there's good looking people, she's going to be there and flirting, which is like, we know, girl. We get it. I think I might be in my, my Bryn era, though. I'm I'm feeling like I could be. But my tolerance for men is like... <sighs> Uh, what's the word? Non-existent. So that's really going to be difficult for me, but I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to try. <laughs> so this lady comes up. Her name is Katie. Katie, the lady. Listen, was Katie like hired? I'm just very confused. <laughs> she just seemed a little too camera ready for me. I don't know, but she is pulling up to Jenna and Bryn's table. She's flirting hard. Okay. Bryn gives them a little bit of space because Jenna's like, listen, I am loving Bryn as a, as a wing woman because she's vivacious. She's flirty. She's clearly straight. Like, I feel like Bryn thinks that she's giving like bi-curious and Jenna's like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's so cute. You're a heterosexual man. Okay. And I think that's adorable that you're pretending like you're not truly like, I don't know if y'all noticed Katie didn't even say, she didn't even introduce herself to Bryn. Bryn had to introduce herself to her. Katie was focused, and maybe Bryn's just not her type, but she was like, I had a feeling that Katie even was like, hetero. I'm not talking to you, (laughs) ma'am. So anyway, Katie's like, totally hot chick, younger woman for Jenna, and like, they're having their little moment. Jenna's being very, like, coquettish. I mean, this is not the Ramona Singer school of flirtation okay post-marriage flirtation that's happening here with jenna jenna's like playing a little bit of a long game right so Bryn walks up and is like yo yo here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna broker this here's what you're gonna do i'm gonna take the sharpie i'm gonna put it on her arm put your phone number on her arm and then you're gonna kiss it kiss her arm when you're done (laughs) and then you walk away and you ruin her life later she's gonna think about you later when she touches herself okay bye gonna let you guys have this moment Bryn says in a confessional Jenna needs to just do the typical New York thing, like the typical successful New York thing. Date somebody younger. That's what you do. I love this. I love Bryn's world. Bryn should have a a travel, like, you know, Bridget from Girls Next Door had like Bridget's Best Beaches or whatever it was called. I want a thing called Bryn's World where she just goes around New York and like flirts with people and then just like spouts her wisdom, you know? Like, I want Bryn meeting, like, Fran Lebowitz and having her talk about how, you know, if you just pretend like you're choking, they really love it. That's what I want to see in the world. 
So Katie asks her if she can open her Sharpie with her mouth. And Jenna goes, uh, my teeth are fake. So it's actually really dangerous for me to do. Jenna's really into it, but she says in a confessional, I don't know if Katie realizes how many decades I've been on this earth, but maybe she wants a MILF. And then a performer pulls Jenna on stage and Bryn puts money down her shirt. And she's like, you know, having a sexy little boudoir moment. And you know, it's, it was a whole vibe. Speaking of things that are not vibes, Cy and Aaron go out with uh, David and Abe, Abe the alleged babe, and they go to La Contenta, and Cy asks Aaron, oh, did you tell Abe about the game that we played on the boat in Anguilla? We didn't see it, but we do see a flashback where Brynn, I guess, told the ladies that she does this thing where she, like, texts men in her phone, random naughty things and sees what their response is going to be so Aaron goes okay but we need to back up because Jessel and her husband are you know they're having sex issues as if you guys haven't had 7,000 conversations about this already with your husbands but so I was like yeah I mean we were trying to get them to spice we were trying to get Jessel to spice things up so in a flashback Jessel hands Bryn over her phone Bryn texts Pavit I'm wet and his response is, you should really get a towel and dry off. <laughs> and I feel like this might just be their their relationship. Like, I think that's what it's giving. So Aaron says, I have a question for you two husbands. Like, if your wife would not have sex with you for a year and a half, what would happen? Abe, I would fuck other women. <laughs> and everybody's like, uh, didn't even skip beat on that one, babe. Did you? And he's like, what? I would. (laughs) Aaron says in a confessional, I really don't appreciate his candor right now. Like, he's a little shit. I think she really hates this, but she can't say it as much as she wants to. So Aaron says at the table, good to know. What if I'm going through something? And Sai goes, he'll be fucking other women. Now, this, I guess I have to talk about the tweet. Or shall I? I was just minding my business on Twitter as I'm wont to do. And I happened to come across an individual because uh, they had posted on Bravo TV's account. Hey, y'all. We're just like, you know, they posted a clip of um of uh, uh, this clip. This clip that we're talking about right now where uh, they're talking to their husbands on this double date. So somebody and your new username is um, uh, at Vixen Jenny. Jenny with an IE replies to at Bravo TV. Jessel, next time you see Sai, ask her about how she took her husband from his ex-wife and got knocked up while working at his bar. Eyes emoji. You didn't hear that from me though. Oh. Well, I would just like to say, don't shoot the messenger, okay? I ain't say that. I just posted about it. And I, I just looked. I actually literally didn't say anything. I just posted a picture of Kyle and Dorit looking shocked. So I don't want to get in trouble for this. (laughs) I just have to, as a journalist, report what I see. And whatever happens from there is what happens. Now, I did see that Sai, I guess, posted on her Instagram story like, oh, I'm getting all these DMs and I'm reading them like y'all are crazy or whatever. What the hell? She's like, um, like that LeBron James picture where he's just like smiling through it and she's like in the sun just laughing or whatever so um you know I guess that's all she's gonna say in terms of addressing that 
And, um, I don't know. Do I believe it? I don't have any reason to. (laughs) I don't want to say that I just, like, posted a bunch of bullshit, but I don't know the story, but it does seem like there might be multiple different, um, origin stories online as to how David and Cy got together. And then, you know, people were suggesting, hey, that might be why she refused to post his picture on Instagram for so long. Or I still don't think she does. So, you know, I'm just, again, reporting what people are saying. Moving on. Aaron asks David, what would you do if your wife didn't have sex with you for a year and a half? And he says, honestly, the relationship would be over. And Aaron goes, thank you, David. That's the right answer. Nobody uh, seemed to catch this, but David goes, no. And he points at Abe and he goes, no, his answer was the best one. And I think he was like dead ass. I don't think he was joking. So Sai goes, yeah, my husband said the right answer, but that's what a good husband should say. Moving on. Aaron says she like would like to have sex with another man. Right. And Abe is like, well, let's not go too far because we talked about this. Aaron says at first that she doesn't want to get into it. But then she tells them that at one point in their lives, there might be a moment. And Sai goes of what? Swinging? So Abe says, well, I'm not into swinging yet, but, like, I could be in 10 years, which is, like, okay. (laughs) Are we just, like, mapping out our future and and just whatever, girl? Aaron says they had discussed having a threesome, but Abe only wants to have it with two other chicks, which she doesn't want that. And she's like, well, I want to have sex with another guy to make it fair. And then they get kind of, like, back and forth as to what the details were. But Abe says that he would agree to it as long as they were in the same room. And Aaron says, but you said you didn't want to watch it. And he says, no, the rules are same room with people they don't know. And then Aaron says that Jetta actually suggested that she fuck a gay guy. And then she says a gay guy or a, a middle of the road. <sighs> she's 35 and she's lived in Manhattan her whole life. And she's still referring to bisexual people middle of the road <laughs> like what did brad pitt not teach you like proper terminology when your mom was selling him that apartment or something did Gwyneth not tell you it's a little strange anyway she's a strange woman aaron says in a confessional she doesn't want to be in a sexless marriage so if in 10 years from now it's like bring on the gays bring on a unicorn whoever anything to get us going again because she thinks intimacy is so important and it's like she's not she's not right but she's not wrong like sure intimacy is very important sure you should make an effort to bring that into your relationship if that's important to both of you guys and that's something that like you feel is like a pillar in your relationship right i'm getting the sense and i feel like a lot of us were that Abe's down to clown. Okay. <laughs> Some point that makeup's going to come on. It's giving at this point. And Aaron might want to check. Check. And But I just don't want anybody to feel like if I have to swing from the rooftops to keep my relationship, then that's what I'm going to have to do. I, I think that's also a little bit dangerous. Like, don't lose yourself. And don't change who you are and what you actually want to do in the bedroom to keep your relationship. Because that's actually the opposite of intimacy. That actually fucking sucks. Don't do that, ladies. And gentlemen. Or theys. 
Don't do it. At the end of their dinner, Sai tells the guys that Uba's getting them all together for a sound bath. It's their first time getting all together since Anguilla. And Sai's like, you know, I'm not really looking forward to it because I don't scream or cry during those types of things. You know, like, she's very hard. If you guys don't remember. Grim goes to Bauman's rare books because apparently she's been a collector for like five years. And she says, the two hottest things that a man can have in his wallet are a Centurion card and his New York Public Library card. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> All right. Then her brother calls her and they start talking about Sweet Mimi, May She Rest, and how they're planning on planting a tree um, in Central Park near the ducks for their grandma because that's what she loved. And then her brother tells her, while you're there, you should slip a note in one of those books that says, um, in 2023, I, Bryn, was wearing a cowboy hat in a rare bookstore. <laughs> and he kind of ate on that one. Then all the ladies meet up and go to this place called Flolo for some healing, except for Bryn, who FaceTimes in telling the ladies that she tested positive for COVID. So the ladies start off. They're set, setting their intentions. They're sitting down. It's this beautiful white space. And... I have to say that Sai looked cute. She had a little blowout going, and it was a cute look for her, and that's probably the last nice thing that I'm going to say for the episode. I will. <laughs> Moving on. So the healer tells them, like, let it out, guys. Like, y'all can scream if you need to. And Sai's, like, just, honestly, she was, like, being very silly. Like, she was, like, huh, huh, huh. Like, like, like she was doing some sort of Broadway number. Like, she was at Juilliard or something. It just felt, like, disrespectful. After that, they have, like, a drum session, and she has the ladies lay down and, like, speak to their inner child. And Sai, when the lady goes up to her, has to, like, stop herself from laughing. And in a confessional, it's like, this isn't for me. I don't want to go on any journeys unless I'm stamping my passport. <laughs> so then Uba then gets emotional. The healer goes up to her and starts talking to her about her mom and all that stuff. And Jezel, who was laying next to her, like, gives her her arm to comfort her. And it's, like, a very sweet moment. Just, like, an unspoken moment between women. Just women supporting women. Not, like, two women over. Sai, who's giggling. Oh, God. So, Sai's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming here to be healed. Because there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. Okay, girl. Well, you might not want to check your mentions for a couple weeks. I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say about what's wrong with you. Because <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> so steer clear, babe. Even Erin was nicer about it. Kind of. Like, she did kind of mock and say it was a little too much for her. But then she was like, you know, it was pleasant. Like, I liked the experience. I like kind of doing things like that. She knew at least to keep it cute. Right? Like, listen, these sorts of things aren't really for me either. However, when in Rome, you know how to act, like, you know how to be respectful. Was it something I would choose to do? No. If I felt so opposed to the idea and I thought it was so lame, then I probably would be respectful enough to just not go. Instead of, like, acting like an asshole when my friend is crying about her departed mother. And acting like this shit is funny. Anyway, too late now. Jessel invites Sai to lunch, but she's, like, stink fakes in her already. She's like, oh, what are you going to do, Jessel? Are you going to ambush me? And then in a confessional, she says she doesn't want to go to lunch. It's like, like, where, what's going on here, Sai? What reason 
What's the reason for all of this? What has she done to you? For all this stink. I don't like it anymore. I didn't even fuck with Jessel in the very beginning. I was like very anti. And now I'm like waving the flag. Sounding the alarm. And I'm just like, I'm not getting what Sai is upset about. But we'll talk about that in a second. So Jessel tells the ladies, hey, girls, you know, you've been talking about my pussy all this time. I'm going to be having a staycation with my husband. We're going to the new Ritz Carlton. I got all these toys and the sexy lingerie. Like, okay, so we can maybe stop talking about this. There was a short scene where Sai gets macarons with her daughter, London, who's a ballerina. And she tells us in a confessional that she's like a triple threat. She wants to be on Broadway and how all she does is run around asking Sai if she can get her an agent and how Sai's like, why can't I be your agent? And it's like, cause you're not an agent, babe. That's why. E- even London knew that. You're not qualified. That's why. <laughs> cause I'm trying to get somewhere in life. So if you're not going to do it, you're going to hire a professional, which is actually what she told her mother. Shout out to you, London. So then Sai tells her, Oh, you're lucky that you, like, I wanted to be a gymnast and, you know, like, I couldn't go to classes regularly. And so, you know, I would just, like, run from the couches and be like, oh, perfect 10, perfect 10. And that would be a perfectly fine story, right? Like, a bonding moment between mother and daughter. If you just kept it to the one story. Because now it's like, how can I sit here and enjoy my blue raspberry macaroon trying to get my electrolytes up back from two hours of ballet? And then you're talking about how the first vacation that you took was in college, but, like, I get to go everywhere with my little brother. And it's like, damn, I I just go home for this. Especially because London later told her that she didn't even know her mom had been back for two days from Anguilla. (laughs) It's like, girl, the bonding, what's happening here? At last, we finally get to date night for Jessel and Pavit. But they're at home getting ready, drinking some champagne. And she says in a confessional that what she's going through isn't new. It's a rut, not a scandal. So she tells him she got some lingerie when she was shopping with Brynn. And then we do see a flashback where Brynn is suggesting, oh, you should get little crotchless panties and pulls down her high-waisted jeans and is like showing Jessel. She's like, oh, I just saw your crotch. So Jessel tells him, she like pulls out the lingerie and she goes, this is what's for dessert. And he goes, okay, um, can we also have real dessert though? (laughs) Which like, fair enough. Cause listen, there's not a dick that great that's going to keep me from a little affogato. Okay. Little brownie. Mm. There's nothing that good. There ain't no dick in the world that good. Okay. And then Jessel tells <laughs> Jessel tells Bob that the funniest thing. She shows him the laundry and she goes, Look, it's crotchless, so like if I need to use the bathroom, I don't need to take it off. And he goes, Oh, is that the selling point? And it's like, no. Jessel, that's not the selling point. <laughs> not not what you're selling to your husband who you're trying to fuck. I, I don't I mean, unless listen, no kink shaming. Unless the, the pee is your thing. Then go golden girl. That, but I don't think that's what she meant. So he tells her, why don't you try it on for me? So she comes out with like that. And it was actually super cute. And she put a leopard print coat on it. She had a little kitten heel. He's like, well, just wear that. I think they're fine, you guys. Like, I think she's right. It's not a scandal. It's a rut. 
Later we have Uba, an Uba hot moment. She takes herself a little bathy bath with a box of chocolates and Mr. Bubble. It's like a whole vibe in there. So she can FaceTime Brim. And it's just like girls being girls. They're just catching up with each other. And it's so different from in vibe of what uh, I... Uh, Aaron and Cy were doing on their double date it's just like two girlfriends catching up with each other and just telling uh, Bryn what she missed like oh you know like we had this healing moment it was so great like this is something that my mom would really love like to see me connecting with all these women it was so powerful and then she's like oh you know Jessel's going on her date she doesn't say it in a way that's like cackling hats (laughs) It's not, it's not like, oh, we're like planting a seed to like sow discord here. It's like, oh yeah, like they're going to do it. Where it's like, oh yeah, like I went shopping with her. And then she's like trying to plot and scheme here. And she's like, why don't we get matching Ritz Carlton housekeeping outfits so we can spy on them on their special night? And Uba goes, you still have COVID. I'm going to call the health department on you if you leave your apartment. And then we have to go back down to hell. Because Sai shows up to lunch with Jessel. Now, their lunch, I think, was supposed to be at 11. So, Zai shows up 20 minutes late. And I think we're all in agreement that that was a power play to be like, I don't care about this. I didn't want to be here. I'm going to be easy breezy and and be 20 minutes late. And it fucking backfired on her. (laughs) So, then she had to sit there all hot in the panties, acting like her sitting there for 20 minutes was the greatest tragedy of the world. Like, granted... I do agree with Sai that Jessel should have communicated and texted her and been like, girl, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I'm on the way. Like, especially if you're in a car, there's nothing keeping you from being like, I'm so sorry. I'm like X amount of minutes away. So I will give her that. But as soon as Jessel gets there, she is apologetic. And she's like, I'm just like so busy. Like, you know, if if we wanted to be relaxed, we should have done this on the weekend. And Jessel's like, well, it is Friday. And and Sai acts like she's business, business, Mrs. fucking nine to five influencer. It's like, girl, listen, we don't do exactly the same thing, but I know that you can keep an open schedule. And if if you, you can make time for lunch on Friday, if you need to, probably. And if you can't, then don't go since you didn't want to go so bad. So Jessel's trying to like keep it light and be a friend and tell her, Oh, I had the date night last night, and I'm no longer a born-again virgin. So Saya's like, oh, is it awkward? And Jessel says, yeah, honestly, it took me like 20 minutes to loosen up. It's like the Mojave Desert there right now. So it's been a year and a half. Saya's like, gosh, if I waited like a year and a half, I'd go crazy. And it's like, girl, this is you with dick regularly. I can't imagine what it'd be like if you were out of it. But Jessel tells her, you know, like, I actually know a couple that waited four years. And Sai's like, yeah, well, that husband's fucking somebody else. And Jess, like, Jessel's like, totally. But to me and him, it just wasn't a priority. So in a confessional, Sai goes, I'm sorry. I just don't believe that I, they had sex. There's zero detail. And I just think she's so sick of asking that if she sees the deal that she's lying. What? What's the rubric? What is the... the I don't get it. Like, what is she saying... That's so wrong. Why can't Jessel win? Like, I have never seen a woman who just can't win. And I just don't understand. Like, I can't point to anything as to specifically what she has done. 
why are you mad? Why is she lying? She said, she told, she said, my pussy's like the Mojave Desert right now. But that wasn't enough detail for you. She told you, it took me 20 minutes to loosen up. That's like sharing an intimate detail. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. What's the issue? I don't get it. Like, if she doesn't tell you that Pavin's dick leaned to the left and he he came 38 minutes and 43 seconds into it, he came on my back. And then, like, five seconds later, he went and got the towel from the Ritz-Carlton and, like, it was really plush and, and a high thread count. Like, what do you need to know? You know? It's, it's wild to me. <laughs> like, how do you decide that she's just lying based on what she said? I don't get it, girl. So then... Sai's like, why is, you told me that Papa's going to Vietnam. Why is he going to Vietnam? And she's like, well, you know, he's got this like mileage thing. It's like not something uncommon. He's done this before. And Sai's like, oh, he does this frequently. And then she says in a confessional as she's listening to Jessel, say, there's just so many questions. I can't, like, I'm just blank face. And listen, I want to say that before I had questions, but I think there's also like a lack of information that I was working with. We don't know that didn't know the dynamic really between Jessel and Pavit. Um, we're seeing more of like what Pavit is like and his personality. And this actually does not seem all that weird to me now that we have more information. Maybe I'm being like Pavit pilled or something, but actually like, do I think Pavit's like a little bit strange? Yeah. Do I think he's like trying to go to Vietnam to fuck some chick for 24 hours? Not, no, not really. <laughs> And also, I probably wouldn't bring that up 
right after the woman who just said that she hadn't had sex with her husband in half the year and a half that they just did, I wouldn't like try to be like, oh, so why don't we play with this element? <laughs> like, it just feels rude. So nasty and so rude. So Jessel does change the subject and says, I just want to get it out here. When we were in Anguilla and you asked me about my uncle, it just felt to me like you thought I was maybe comparing myself to how you grew up. And I just want to make sure that you understand that that wasn't what I was trying to do. I don't think it touched any of your guys' struggles, but I want to apologize if that's how it came across. So Sai just looks at her and is like, Jessel, to be honest, and then puts her hand on her heart. Be honest with you, I really don't care. And Jessel goes, even now you don't care because I'm trying to explain that I wasn't trying to offend you in any way. And Sai's like, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. So Jessel goes, okay, I just wanted to make sure we're good. And Sai's like, you could have phoned me for this, to be honest. okay like that's so fucking rude (laughs) and then she starts chastising her and is like i just think that one thing about this group is that we all know when somebody's not being straightforward and we feel offended when somebody is telling a story and we know that there's shit missing from that story and i just think that we all like to call people out when that happens who's we babe you and aaron and maybe and that's it nobody else gives a shit in fact uba's been very clear of like i feel like y'all we can't win in this conversation if in this in this group either you're not honest enough or you're too honest and that's a lot or she said mem made several mentions to the fact that she feels like jessel gets treated like a fucking jan brady in this group so who's we who's we you and your delusions now Sai does admit that i can be abrasive and i'm sorry for that but Then she says, I'm just genuinely curious and I want to know. And Jessel says, but I want to open up to you guys. But now it's like I'm nervous. And so I was like, no, it's not that. Just own it. And like, we don't want the whole circle story. Arbitrary. So Jessel's like, okay, we're just not seeing eye to eye. Did I expect a cold reception? No. (laughs) And then she says, you know, another thing that hit home with me, Sai, is when you were talking about your mom, because I had a similar situation, and Sai goes, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, she's already pissed. And I was not, you might as well back this story up, girl, because it's not going to go the way you want. But Jessel says, my mom has two brothers, the one that I lived with and the one that I worked with. And the one that I was living with, my uncle Nitten, he was an alcoholic, and I really beat myself up for that every day because I don't think I helped him, and he ended up passing away. And Sai goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> nothing so Jessel goes you know just to connect the dots and she starts getting emotional she's like you know it's really hard for me to talk about that time in New York and so I goes it's just a little dramatic because you like just apologize for trying to compare which she didn't she apologized if Sai thought she was comparing her situations because she knew that their struggles were not the same which is different but then she's like but you just mentioned your uncle and it just like it just came out because of my mom babe it's apples and oranges with my story let's just make it stop so Jessel goes you know I just feel disrespected because like I didn't come from a family that openly talks about that stuff and I feel like every time I do open up you and Aaron are like vultures just tearing my story apart and Sai goes well I just wish you would be more vulnerable but you know like you start at A and then you make a stop to C an hour later and I just don't know where we are it's like because you don't care (laughs) You don't care. You didn't ask her for her life story until like a month into knowing her 
30 seconds into her story, you're like, well, this isn't the story that I want to hear. You're taking too long, lady. Wrap it up. And it's been hell ever since. And now you think she's not being vulnerable. Now she's too scared because, like she said, vultures, every time she says anything that's a little bit vulnerable, you're like, well, that's not good enough for us. So it's like, well, what the fuck do I say? But you're not giving her the roadmap as to what is good for Psy, the rules according to Psy. So then Psy's like, I don't want to talk about my mom again. The only reason why you're telling me this is because my mom. And it's like, yeah, she's trying to relate to you. The struggles of how difficult it must be to like be with a loved one, a family member that passed away from their alcoholism. And sure, he's not her mom, but she lived with him. This wasn't like my uncle that whatever, like I knew sometimes we saw at the family reunion and like, no, she's saying that like this shit was real. She carries guilt for not like feeling like she helped him properly. He died. (laughs) Jeez. And then she's like, well, it's so hard for me to open up about this. Everybody knows that I'm not sentimental. I'm done. Which is exactly what Jessel's trying to explain to you. But you're acting like, well, you're not being open and honest. So (laughs) what's going on here? So Sai tells Jessel, your story is your story. And ours are completely different. And she goes, I love you, but I got to go. Um, can we get the check? And Jessel's like, don't worry, buddy. You can go. Like, if you got to, you know, she's like, I, I have a photo shoot. And so Jessel's like, I'll pay for the bill. Like, if you got to go, just just leave and I'll, I'll pay for you. And then Sai ends the episode by saying, in a confessional, I waited for you for 45 minutes. You did not. <laughs> for you to say that you're not comparing yourself. And then you tell the story. I just want to leave. And it sounds like based on the preview for next week that this shit gets even worse and she gets even meaner (sighs) this is wild dude this is absolutely wild thank you guys so much no we're moving on to Salt Lake why are you uncomfortable what's going on in when we're in Palm Springs Meredith said to both Lisa and I that she knew stuff and she threatened that you should be careful because she knows about you stuff about your marriage and your husband and this is why we're nipping it in the butt and is it so she's gone to you or and you butt or butt okay who cares about that guys like let's seriously she's spreading rumors about my marriage The rumor is that Sean likes to f- other men. Are you f-ing kidding me? Are you f-ing kidding me? Okay, now let's officially get into Salt Lake City for this week. It starts off like kind of whack because Meredith has Seth to play with as her scene partner at dinner and it's just like a very typical catching the husbands up on what happened from the palm strings palm springs trip she's like you know not only was whitney there with angie who wasn't invited at dinner she just unleashed on me and then she talks to him about like lisa losing her ring in the bathroom and that caused her to get into things with monica and then angie was just relentless and there are all these rumors about her and how ironic she thinks that this woman is trying to tear into her and not think that karma's going to come back to her. <sighs> I hope I don't have to be mad at Meredith. I really do. <laughs> so the episode really begins 
with Lisa meeting Meredith at the spa. So they like hug and they're talking about how like happy they are that now that they're on good footing with each other. So they have to get these facials, but they have to scan their faces before they, so you have to like stick your face in this thing. And you know, the angles aren't pretty. They're not great. They're alien-like in nature. It's, it's not not flattering, which of course sends Lisa right into a tailspin at the thought of her not looking absolutely perfect on camera. She doesn't want to do it. But before that, Meredith talks about how she, like the tan that she just got was so uneven. And when Lisa asks her where she goes, she tells her that she got banned from that salon. So Meredith is like, why? And she's like, oh, the girl wouldn't let me tan. And like, I went in and I was like, hey, I have an event tomorrow and I need to tan. And they were going to close in 30 minutes and it, it escalated to me yelling, let me fucking tan. <laughs> so the lady told her that she needed to leave. And then she got an email the next day saying, we appreciate your eight years of patronage, but we're canceling your membership. And so she told John and John was like, well, I guess I have to call them and cancel too. Release the tapes. Because I want to see them. I want to see them real bad. <laughs> Imagine. And I have to say, like, usually I support other women. But when Lisa did her scan and she was, like, so terrified about looking off. And then she looked like her, like, what's going on? Is it sun damage? Like, what ha- what was that on her face? I giggled a little bit. Anyway, she says in a confessional, this machine is just rude. (laughs) Then they get their facials done and they're talking. And like Lisa mentions how when she met Meredith, her daughter hadn't like Chloe hadn't been had her about mitzvah yet. And like now the kids are out of the house and she's about to start that. I guess Jack is like officially on his mission um, because she posted a picture of him last night that said that she missed him. So Um, and then she's like, you know, like, I hate this because he can get put anywhere in the world. We can't communicate. He can't come back home. We can't see him and how she's crying every day about it. And Meredith is like, you know, it's hard, but it's, you know, it's like great to see your kids move on into the world as adults. So then Lisa's like, you know, oh my God, this feels good enough to take the makeup off. Flashback to her being held in Palm Springs by Meredith during the Trixie makeup challenge. And she says, you know what? I'm never getting dressed up on a girl's trip ever again. And then she tells her that they're setting up, like, the, the scene of the event of the episode, right? An opera soiree, no ski. It feels a little girls and gays, all white party, never forget. A little, a little bit of a mouthful, but okay. And everyone's, like, invited, including Monica. So Lisa's like, you know, basically I had to invite Monica because there's no winning with her. Like, if, she'd, if I don't invite her, she'll say something like, oh, I'm not part of your 1%. So it's just easier to invite her. And then she tells Meredith that she's going to wear head-to-toe labels to piss off Monica and get a reaction out of her. After that, speaking of Monica, she meets up with Whitney for lunch. Whitney. Whitney Wildrose. Girl. They're talking about the event, right? And Monica's like, you know, since I'm invited to this opera soiree, no ski, I feel like I'm okay with Lisa, right? And Whitney's like, yeah, it's a good sign that you guys can clear the air. And when Monica says, do you think I need to clear the air release? It's like, you know, I'm just going to give you a fair warning that it took me three years to get back in her good graces. So Monica goes, I'm just going to tell her you're a materialistic fuddy-duddy, but I love you. And Whitney's like, I wouldn't say it like that. (laughs) So then Whitney starts planting her seeds, Whitney Appleseed, sowing discord all over this franchise. So she's like, you know, I have to be honest with you because like, I like your vibe, but the trip made me pause. 
Because it was a little bit of a red flag that you went after Lisa and Angie. And, you know, I don't want to invest time in someone who goes after their friends like that. <laughs> who approaches people like that? So now, like, I'm in a position where I got to sing for my supper to be friends with you. Like, I would just never invite somebody to lunch to tell them that I don't trust them based on their behavior and that I don't know if we can move forward. <laughs> That's a very weird move. But I also know that Whitney's got a higher purpose to this lunch and she's going to get there in a second. Honestly, it's kind of, kind of a power move because now Monica feels like, oh, I've got to prove myself, which gives her a perfect, ooh, actually a little bit smarter Whitney's part, perfect foundation for her to do her bidding. So Monica's just like, no, I mean, I feel like if you're really friends with somebody, you should be able to call people out. Like if your friend's acting crazy, you should do that just like you're doing to me right now. So that's what I did to Angie. And I also think that that's very smart of Monica, like, She's like, yeah, like, low-key calling out the hypocrisy, but in a positive spin, checkmate, okay? I love that. So Monica says, what really set her off with Angie was her coming for her business, for Meredith's business, about her jewelry having cobwebs in the dust. Nobody's bought any jewelry since 2012 or whatever, right? So then Whitney says that from her perspective, it just looked like she went against her two friends and was sucking up to Meredith and Heather, which is, like, pretty rich, considering the storyline that you had with Lisa. But okay, girl. Um, And how it just, like, seemed like a huge flip that she did that. So Monica's straight up like, I I said what I said. I stand by what I said 100%. And Whitney's like, you know, I'm sensing that you're getting defensive. And I just wanted you to explain. And Monica goes, I am getting defensive, but like maybe you're just not used to dealing with somebody like me. And then she says, you know, I just feel like Angie was out of line. And as her friend, I told her, I'm going to call her out when it feels like you're digging yourself in a hole. And Whitney goes, that makes sense. So then Monica tells Whitney, like, thank you for coming to me. And just like in that moment, I felt like Meredith needed somebody to have her back. And Whitney tells her, well, you need to be careful with her. So Monica obviously is like, what are you talking about? Whitney's like, well, at the airport, she took me aside and told me that she had all this dirt on Angie. And when Monica was like, okay, well, is it more of like a be careful sort of thing? Whitney's like, no, she got her serious eye out. (laughs) She does this impression of of Meredith. Uh, like, let's, let we not forget that the reason for that scene was that Whitney accused Meredith of faking her father's funeral date in order to potentially rat out Jen to the feds or whatever. And that's why she got the serious eye. This is what she does, Monica. It's like, she has, I have all this information. She sent it to every single one of us, and she'll do it to you, too. But Whitney says in a confessional that every time Meredith is wrong, all of a sudden, a rumor gets its wings. Flashback to Meredith saying, you know, I heard Jen got flagged at Louis Vuitton for paying cash. Talking about Lisa's business and the rumors and the Utah Jazz tickets of it all. And then Whitney's like, why can't she just have a normal hobby like go to yoga? Collect trinkets. Birdwatch. So then Whitney, who is actively trying to get Monica to do her bidding and, like, expose this rumor that Meredith told, um, is, tells Monica that she's sick of the toxic behavior. And so Monica's like, look, we've all heard stuff about each other. And Whitney's like, yeah, but it doesn't make it true. And Monica's like, okay, well, sure, right? 
Of course, she asks the million dollar question. Whitney, did you tell Angie? And Angie's like, or Whitney's like, no, I haven't seen her. Honestly, like, I really don't want to get involved in the Meredith and Angie stuff. (laughs) Oh, you don't? Okay, then what is this for, girl? So Monica's like, are you scared of Meredith? And she's like, absolutely not. I'm just sick of this repeated cycle. So Monica says... She feels like Angie and Meredith really have something going on that's, like, deeper than what people understand and how eventually it's all going to blow up. After that, we head home with Whitney. She's got herself a little custom cake for Justin, celebrating him going back to work. Now, she says to us that, like, you know, because he got fired, he had a year non-compete, which meant that he can't work, which is not what that means. But anyway, he's got a job now. So, hello, let's celebrate that. This leads into a conversation that honestly I don't really care about now that I'm looking at my notes. Like, it seems like every season, somebody gets it. Like, season one, Meredith was having marital issues with Seth. Season, you know, last season we had the rumors with um, Lisa and John. We've had issues with Jen and Coach Shaw. Like, everybody comes down the, the pike at some point, right? And so this is basically just a conversation about how now that Justin's going back to work, he's not going to be like Mr. Mom or whatever. Although I feel like it's probably an antiquated quote. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, so... Basically, like, he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to miss driving the kids to school. And she's like, wait a minute, you're still going to be doing that. And so basically, like, they clearly haven't had this conversation as to, like, what is going to be going on with them and the kids now that they're both going to be working full time. Whatever full time means to Whitney, like, what is she doing? Is it the skincare? But Whitney does raise a good point of, like, what? Just because he went back to work? Now everything falls back on me again. And he's like, well, uh, I mean, you knew I was going back to work. So what was the expectation here? So this really leads into a larger conversation about like Bobby, their daughter's going to be 13. And I kind of like, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been watching teen mom and this season, Tyler of Caitlin and Tyler, he's really dealing with stuff because one of their daughters was having like body issues. She didn't want to be wearing certain things to gymnastics. And they were like, Hmm, this kind of curious where did that come from right so Tyler was particularly bothered by it and Caitlin explains to us later that the reason why is because um their daughter is about the same age that he was when he started getting sexually abused and so how like triggering this might be for him to watch you know your kid at the same age and like having things and and they're unexplainable and he's like oh you know like you got to work this out right so I think the same thing is happening with Whitney because she tells us in a confessional that she was 13 she was doing having horrible things happen to her and how nobody knew because nobody was really checking in on her um and just kind of like went under the radar and how her biggest fear is that like you know the parenting is just more than pickups and drop-offs and soccer and you know orange peels and stuff it's like i'm afraid that we're not going to be tuned into our kids and we miss something really really big which is completely completely fair um so they're basically like our our kids need us but we also need to have our career and like and justin's like well how's that gonna work and whitney says she doesn't know they also had in the trailer like some suggestions that maybe they were going to be having marital issues but i think it was justin's birthday the other day and she like wished him a happy birthday i mean granted mia from potomac did the same thing recently and then announced through people that they were separated so who's to say Who's to say? But I think everything's fine in the Rose household. 
And from there, we just have like the ladies at home with their families or with their families, right? After that, we go home with Angie and Sean Lachey and Electra and their standard poodle with the purple highlights named Celia, which is very funny to me. <laughs> because basically, the dog looks like, you know, Jojo Siwa in poodle form. And Celia is just like a, an interesting choice. But anyway, <clears throat> Angie, again, like just keeps harping on about how she and Sean have like lost their way that they were like teamed up traveling the world super in love for the first 12 years and then they had their daughter and you know then they just like put all their attention into her and how they need to get back into things so we watch them play a card game and then you know they're ready for bed they're getting ready for bed and by that I mean Angie was getting the daughter ready for bed and like you know woo 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 I'm gonna read you a book and rub your head or whatever parents do to get their kids to go to sleep and then um Sean and and Celia went into bed for themselves and (laughs) God, poor, poor Sean. I know you could sense the hesitation. He did not want to have to take that hat off on camera. He's like Gino from 90 Day Fiance. He was like, oh, I'm going to do it. But he didn't want to. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> but basically, Angie says that she needs to just focus on, you know, being more intimate with him. But she doesn't know how to do with de- deal with that. Right. So moving on to Heather. Heather taking the girls out to school, playing hooky and going skiing because... She and the girls are like the Gilmore girls if there were four of them. But um, And also she saw on her calorie app that you burn 400 calories an hour going skiing. So, you know, two birds, one stone, right? They have cocoa after that, but it's too hot. So <laughs> Heather just goes to like a random pile of snow. And it's just like, just put a little cube in there, girls. And fine. She said it was perfect. And honestly, like, I'm not above that behavior. I'm really not. It just seemed a little... Like, you got to pick the right snow out, you know? And it was just a little too close to some um, snow that had already been touched. I would have gone a couple feet over. That That's just my suggestion. But anyway, apparently, because of Heather and Bad Mormon, I mean, is it the book or is it the show, Heather? Is it both? I think it, I have a feeling that, like, these girls are dealing with bullying more so because of the show than the book, but I really don't know. So she's talking to sweet little Annabelle in, G- in Georgia about, like, how do you feel going to school? Because every time you guys go to school, I get anxiety. And basically, they're, they're like, kind of chill about the whole situation. Annabelle's like, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, it's really just if somebody posts something online. But then Heather's like, yeah, but... When one student is giving a class presentation and another student turns their chair around, that's drama. That's not a community of caring. (laughs) And then Heather says in a confessional that because where they live is like a community steeped in Mormonism, her daughters are facing scrutiny, one by her leaving the church, but also the book is making it worse. So we see a flashback where a month earlier, Heather is filming a scene with Meredith where she tells her that her daughter Georgia got a note that said you're the c-word and then Annabelle got cookies sent that also called her the c-word what kind of cookies was this was this a a shop that made this for for teens I want to know were they handmade I need to know so Heather's like listen she tells us that she wants to write a second book but she doesn't want her children to be judged by her actions and just feels like Maybe she just keep her head down and stay quiet. Had she done that, they wouldn't be facing these things. But my thing is, like, I feel like we're never telling the whole truth about Heather. And 
her issues with the community. Because I feel like to do that, we would have to be breaking the fourth wall. I really feel like the show's probably a lot of why <laughs> this community is upset with her. But she can't say that. But And then to just be like, well... My kids are suffering, my family's suffering, my extended family members are suffering, I'm suffering, but I'm going to keep doing it. Like, I like I really want to get into the nitty-gritty on that. So Heather asks the girls if they feel safe, and they're both like, yeah, we're fine. And Annabelle's like, it's just petty stuff. Like, it's not like I'm getting pushed down. But Heather tells them, no, but you guys got shoulder checked, like both of y'all, right? But the girls are basically like, it's just silly. Like, and at this point, it's been going on for so long. It's like, why are you so obsessed with me, right? Like, it's actually laughable how obsessed everybody still is about this stuff. And so Heather's like, listen, I know you guys think it's funny, but I don't. And she's like, you know, I feel like I put this target on your back. And then she says in a confessional, you know, I'm watching my girls minimize the way they're treated. It feels very familiar to me. And it reminds me of how I was raised and probably how I raised them. And how I'm trying to break the cycle. So Heather asks them, like, do you want me to just ignore it? And they're like, well, no. So Heather's like, but, I, you know, the last thing I want to do is to overreact. And Annabelle's like, yeah, I mean, you emailed my teacher. And I was like, oh, you know, I kind of don't know if I should keep telling mom what's going on. Because I don't want that to happen again. And so Heather's like, well, damn, like, I hate that you guys have to be so strong that I don't overreact. And they're like... You know, we don't know if we're hurting you and what's going on. They're like, you know, it's fine, girl. Like, we know you want to protect us, but it's out of our control, except for how we react to it. And again, they're just like, yeah, those people are losers and they have sad lives and they keep talking about us. And I agree. And then we get to the opera soiree, no ski, girls and gays, white party, have fun. And Lisa says, listen, I work, I work hard so I can work, afford the things that I have, and that's why I have them. So this part is celebrating the fact that I'm a smart, successful woman. There's a byproduct of working hard, and that's called money. I appreciate nice things, and thank God somebody does, or Dolce & Gabbana wouldn't have any customers. Ugh, look at us. Look at her. Charitable queen. Thank you. Thank you for, for putting money into Dolce & Gabbana's uh, pockets. Thank you so much. Love that for you. So I guess... This being a, a symbol of Lisa Barlow's success is why there's a Vita ice sculpture, um, what appeared to be between nine and 11 crab legs just protruding out of a tower of ice. Um, another tower of champagne that only went maybe to the second or third tier. And then a caterer's tray worth of kale and a crepe station. Also, this doesn't even seem to be a private party. There seem to be several people where... Um, scenes are being filmed where they're just like onlookers and, and don't seem to be interacting with anybody. So, okay, if this is a product of your success, just cordoning off half of a bar, then cool. <laughs> so Lisa does a toast and says, okay, you guys, let's just have fun. Be who you are, be who you want to be. I love all of you. and I'm so glad you're here. Cheers. And then she just randomly gives, like, the cast members, only the cast members, because I know she got a six-pack of these Rufino uh, bottles of Prosecco, four ninety nine, MSRP, by the way. <laughs> Miss Successful. And, uh, you know, like, they're supposed to pop them, right? If you haven't remembered, Angie's going to remind us that she's Greek, so she's like, I only drink Uzo. I don't know how to do this. Like, girl, Heather tells her, that she actually learned how to pop a bottle when she was a missionary in the south of France. So Angie goes, well, God bless your church. 
It was at this point that I noticed that Meredith Marks was wearing a Valentino turtleneck cape. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker. 
So they're just like going after each other. And Heather's like, actually, I have hung out with Snoop Dogg before. Do you guys want to see the picture on my phone? I can get it. And Monica's like, did you really? Oh, cool. <laughs> but then Monica's like, just own it like Heather just did. Like, don't get so defensive. And then in some random corner, Meredith is with two ladies in furs who clearly want to be on the show. She's like, you know what? They can fight. I'll eat. <laughs> At that point, Mary walks in wearing what appeared to be like a military grade um what do you call those things that you go camping with clearly yeah. I have like a bit what do you call those things <laughs> a sleeping bag dummy <laughs> anyway um she looks wild and mostly because it just didn't fit like it was too big for her like i think maybe it was somebody taller or like bigger i don't know maybe it would have looked better it was just the outfit was wearing mary you know the point is, Mary walks in and everybody's like fighting and she's like, oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> then she goes, I walk in and arguing like, da, 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 da. like, oh my God, somebody rescue me quick. So Lisa tells Monica, eat the food, eat the food I worked hard for. And Angie tells, takes one of those uh, little, what do you call those, like pureline sticks, those like, little sticks that have the chocolate inside. They're so good. And they have, they come out like usually around Christmas. And they come in those, like, aluminum. Ooh, I should get one for Christmas. Those are so good. But anyway, Angie tries to shove it in Monica's mouth, corny ass. So Mo- Monica flicks some whipped cream in Angie's face, as she should have, and goes, Angie, don't fucking start with me. Don't open Pandora's box. Lisa tells her that that's rude. And then they both play the, like, get your finger out of my face. No, get your finger out of my face. No, I'll get your finger. You get your finger out of my face. No. You're being too loud. Lisa keeps telling her that she's being too loud and she can't take the volume. And Monica's like, I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> Meredith goes over to say hi to Mary. She's like gushing over this quilted northern outfit that she wore with the loose skirt. So anyway, Lisa tells Monica that she feels like she has an idea, like Monica has an idea of who Lisa is, which is wrong. And that she needs to just get to know her before she tells her who she is, right? So Whitney goes... So, Lisa, can you honor the fact that that was not Monica's intention, even though you felt that way? So, Lisa goes, I believe you and we're fine. They, they make up. And, you know, Lisa says in a confessional that she wants to close this conversation with Monica. But at the end of the day, calling her materialistic is stupid because they have different interests. And Lisa's are just more expensive than hers. So, after that, Whitney, Angie, and um, Lisa go in the corner to raise the roof to some song that we don't hear. They're like, turn the music up. And Mary looks over <laughs> from her couch, sitting by herself, and goes, I don't know about Whitney. Whitney looks cheap. By the way, you guys, I want to say that Whitney <laughs> was on Twitter and quote tweeted that. And she goes, she's such a bitch. <laughs> like, Man, you called her a predator. Like, cheap is nothing. Little girl, hilarious. You've been eating off a little girl for quite some time, ma'am. Okay, so I don't want to hear it. So Monica goes over to the station to get a redo crepe. And then she goes to sit by Mary to eat it. And Mary goes, first off, what are you eating? And Monica tells her, eh, it's just like a raspberry crepe. And Mary goes, oh. And then looks at the food like, in the way that like, if somebody looked at that, it's like, I, I don't even want to eat anymore. You know, like you just fucking ruined it. <laughs> so then Mary goes, um, you like to eat, I can tell. Every time I see you, you're always eating. You don't care what you eat? Do you eat vegetables? And Monica goes, well, there's a raspberry in the crepe. And Mary just looks at her. <laughs> and Mary goes, 
you know, because you're a beautiful girl. Just don't eat your life away. Monica's like, mm-hmm. And Monica is absolutely me because she says in a confessional, I love Barry. And honestly, at this point, it's my mission to make her like me. <laughs> it's never going to happen. But if I ever got in the room with Mary Cosby, I like it would be an ironic friendship. But like, I would want her to like me, you know, because we see what happens when she does it. It's not worth it. Heather and Angie start bonding, talking about school again and how um, people at school used to call Heather Lefty. And she thought that's because she had a rumor that people were um, that people thought she stole stuff. But it's actually because her left hit was bigger than the other ones. So anyway, uh, Monica asked Meredith, is she going to talk to Angie? And uh, she's like, about what? And she's like, well, would you speak to Andy if she came over? And she's like, well, she can do whatever resonates for her. I mean, she clearly does. She already shoved whipped cream in your mouth earlier. So they're just like having a girl's conversation, right? It's just because it's talking about Angie. Whitney's clearly eavesdropping and says in a confessional, Meredith is relentlessly coming for Angie and it's clear that she's not going to (laughs) stop. Now, mind you, all Meredith has said is that Angie, or, or Monica, remember when Angie put whipped cream in your face? Like five minutes ago? That's her being relentless, but okay. When is this reign of terror going to (laughs) end? So then she invites Monica and Meredith to do a Shotsky. Diabolical behavior. She's going to get them drunk and get them to talking. Like, I see right through this strategy, Whitney Rose. Come on, girl. So right after they take that Shotsky, she immediately grabs Monica and is like, do you guys, do you want to come talk to me? So they go aside and Whitney's like, so I told you Meredith made a threat. And I don't really want anything to do with it, but Angie's your friend, our friend. And she's standing here with all of us, and, and we're, you know, it's like going behind our back. And, like, if that was happening to me, I'd want somebody to tell me. And Monica's like, yeah, I would want to know, too. And so Whitney goes, do you know what the rumor is? And Monica goes, do you know what it is? And Whitney goes, no. I've only heard the threat that Angie should be warned. So Monica's like, okay, well, that's kind of weird that you haven't heard it because everybody else has. That's surprising. And then Whitney pretends like she has no idea, which I do not believe. Whitney, like, you really played the long game. Let's pretend that you actually didn't know what this rumor is. What were you going to do if the rumor was, like, nothing? Like, it ended up being a big something. But what if it was nothing? And you were just like, well, I did all that for nothing. But anyway, um, so Monica's like, well... To be frank with you, people are talking about her, how her husband fucks other men and that they have an arrangement and that their marriage is completely fake. So now Whitney's like, no, 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 there's no way. No, Angie needs to know this. I literally feel like I'm going to pass out. This is really hard for me. And Meredith should be the last person talking about this. <laughs> so Whitney says a confessional. If the rumor wasn't enough, like, that John had allegedly stepped out on Angie, it's now questioning his sexual orientation, and, like, as a strong ally in the community and her connection with Glad, I expected more from Meredith. <laughs> Which is absolutely a fair statement to make. Like, this seems like, given what we've seen with Meredith and, like, you know, Brooks, which I hope you guys saw that video. If you did, just head over to um, EBBM Podcast on Twitter. I'm not calling it the other name, and you'll see it. It made me scream. I absolutely screamed. <laughs> anyway, I like. Do I believe this? I mean, I really, really hope not. It would just seem 
very out of left field. Like Whitney's right. Considering all of this like allyship that we've seen and her support of Brooks that like, this seems like a really egregious pivot for somebody like that. But so I really don't know. But unfortunately, Monica is now completely on the hook with Whitney. So she's like, all right, I guess we got to say something. But before we do this, like, let's take a shot of Vita. (laughs) Whitney goes, yeah, maybe some whiskey. (laughs) And then maybe we'll black out. So back to the party, Mary turns to Heather and goes, Heather, what made you wear that necklace? And Heather goes, I love the necklace. And Mary goes, you do? (laughs) Like, it is, like, pretty large costume jewelry as, like, it's giving Material Girl video for Madonna. Like, it's a lot for an opera soiree, no ski. Girls and gays never forget. But... Heather's like, yeah, I love it. Like, it, I think it brings out the champagne to the coat. I think it adds some flair to the turtleneck. And I have matching earrings, and I'm standing behind it. And Mary goes, you totally missed on that one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so the episode ends with Monica and Whitney getting Angie. But Whitney hands Angie a shot and is like, you're going to need it. Take a sip. We got to talk to you. And so Angie, for the first time, like, I, most of Angie that we've seen on screen has been her like to me very calculated very prepared very like morally corrupt Faye Resnick in her delivery and just in her general vibe like she's been plotting and scheming she's been planning every line every sentence that she says in these confessionals and on television in real time so in this time she actually is like "Mm, what's going on like the vibe is not good so Whitney tells her let's go sit Angie, you sit in the middle. So Angie's like, no, for real. Like, you guys are making me uncomfortable. So Whitney's like, I'm very uncomfortable. When we were in Palm Springs, Meredith said to both Lisa and I that she knew stuff and she threatened that you should be careful because she knows shit about you. Stuff about your marriage and your husband. And this is why we're nipping it in the butt. And Monica goes, is it butt or is it bud? And Whitney's like, I don't know, actually. Is it? And Angie's like, who cares about that, guys? She's spreading rumors about my marriage. And Monica says, well, the rumor is that Sean likes to fuck other men. And Angie's like, are you fucking kidding me? She's crazy. I'm sorry. I've been with my husband for 27 years and we are loyal to each other. So Meredith, she's like, Meredith lives to lie about other people's marriages. And the only person spreading their legs outside of their marriage is Meredith. (laughs) She kind of ate that a little bit. A little crumb. A little crumb on that one. So Monica says that... Meredith is saying that his boyfriends need to be quiet because they're out here in the streets of Salt Lake City talking about fucking your husband. And Angie's like, I'm sick and tired of her lies. People do not talk about me and my family like this. She's a sick bitch. (laughs) And so she walks up to Meredith and asks her if she has a second. And we end on a to be continued. And I'm actually looking forward to it, you guys. So stay tuned. Sorry about the audio issues in this part of the episode. My bad, y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.